Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Carrick. I teach busy mums who are trying to juggle everything to transform their lives, to lose weight and lead a healthy life so they can feel fit and fabulous. On the Fit and Fabulous podcast, we chat about nutrition, healthy living, emotional wellness in a way that you can apply to your life. I'll show you how to stop being frustrated and overwhelmed with healthy living and how to make it fun and easy. You're invited to sign up to my free New Me workshop. Change your mindset to healthy living in five days. Get to the bottom of those I can't do it thoughts and transform them into wow, it's so easy and fun. You can sign up at drorlina.com slash new me. That's doctor, D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new line in the middle, me. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous. I am super excited to welcome Dr. Joe Bailey today to talk to us all about osteoporosis. Joe, thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Let's dive in and you can tell us all about osteoporosis and what osteoporosis is. So osteoporosis is basically a weakening of the bones, usually as we get older. So I think we tend to think of our bones as being quite solid and permanent once we've grown to our adult height. But actually, that's not true at all. They're constantly breaking themselves down and remodeling. So this is a constant turnover of the cells of the bone. And what that means is, in some ways, it's a good thing because it means that the bone can heal after a fracture, for example. But what can happen as you get older is that that remodeling process starts to get out of kilter and you have too much of the bones being broken down and they're not being rebuilt again at the same rate so they become weaker the the structure the scaffolding of the bones gets weaker and the problem with that is that it means that we're more at risk of um, fractures breaks especially in the spine the hip and the wrist so what are the symptoms of osteoporosis Well, one of the big problems is that most people don't have any symptoms at all and don't realize that they've got it until they actually have a fracture. And so at that point, there are um, some treatments that you can have to stop osteoporosis getting any worse. But of course, it would be much better if we could prevent it happening in the first place. So the time that people start, most people start to become at risk of osteoporosis is around sort of uh, early 50s, particularly with women, it tends your risk starts to go up at the time of the menopause. But typically, fractures from osteoporosis won't happen for another 20 or 30 years. So there's a big lag period when we've got an opportunity to think about our bone health and to try and prevent osteoporosis um, starting, or if you've got it from it getting any worse. So there's a real opportunity there, but most people aren't aware of it because they don't, they aren't getting any symptoms as they start to develop osteoporosis. So who is most at risk of osteoporosis? 
Well, there are a few um, risk groups. So there are some that we can't do anything about uh, because the single probably uh, biggest uh, risk factor is your age. And then people who have got smaller, um, more fragile bones to start with are more at risk. So women are more at risk than men on average because their bones tend to be smaller. Asian people tend to be more at risk than, say, Afro-Caribbean people on average because, again, um, Asian people are usually of, of smaller stature. And then people who are of smaller height tend to be at great, a greater risk than, than taller people. So that's the, the non-modifiable risk group. Then there's a set of risk factors to do with our lifestyle. And those can be um, changed. So smoking is a big one um, that puts you at greater risk. Drinking more than the recommended amount of alcohol also affects the way that your, the cells in the body rebuild themselves. So it puts you at risk. And also not taking enough exercise will we'll come on to the best sort of exercise in a moment I expect there are also some people with particular uh, medical issues that can be at more risk uh, one group of those people are people who may have difficulty absorbing nutrition um, from their food because as most people know an important part of health having healthy bones is taking enough in enough calcium from the diet and vitamin D, um, which is partly from the diet and partly from sunshine, is important in helping the body use calcium in the right way. So if you've got any condition that might make it difficult for you to take in enough nutrition, that can make, put you at risk of osteoporosis. So thinking about things like celiac disease, inflammatory bowel disease, or if you have an eating disorder, uh, then you may be um, at risk. And then the, the um, final group is um, people with hormonal conditions because a lot of the hormones in the body um, also have an effect on how the bones uh, build and rebuild themselves. So uh, having an overactive thyroid, for example, can put you at more risk. And the same also applies to a, people, a group of people on medications. That's particularly people on um, corticosteroids, so prednisolone, because again, that has an effect on how the um, body remodels your, your bones and builds them up and uh, again after they've been broken down. I think it is very important to say, though, that if you're listening to this and you're on steroids and you think you might be worried about osteoporosis, please do not stop or reduce your dose without talking to your doctor. That can be extremely dangerous. So um, it's a great idea to have a conversation with your GP about bone health if you're on steroids, but please don't um, change your regular medication without having that conversation first. Fabulous. So I just wanted to ask you a few more details about some of these. And you talked about alcohol consumption. And for me, alcohol consumption is one of these issues which I find slightly controversial in that clearly we know that alcohol is not good for us. But there are some studies that show that a little bit of alcohol is OK for us. And you said the recommended um consumption what is that recommended consumption do you know that off the top of your head so for women it would be 14 units per week um, of alcohol and a unit is not very much alcohol depressingly so um, <laughs> these days a, uh, it feels like as a doctor you know all I'm doing constantly is telling people that not to do things that they enjoy often a, that the size of a wine glass that you get in a restaurant these days um, or that you pour yourself at home might easily be three or four units. Wow, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's so depressing, but true. So. Well, I'm not sure that it is depressing. I think it's just the way we look at things. And I had this conversation with someone else that when you go in now to a bar or restaurant and order a glass, you don't get a glass, you kind of get a bucket full. Yeah. And I think it's just about once you've recalibrated then actually you can enjoy a small amount of alcohol. I have to say, I sound very different to myself from 20 years ago. 
<laughs> he would be there going, what are you talking about? Okay, so, sorry, that was 14 units of alcohol for yes. women. For women, the recommendation for men is 21 units. And that's an average, so, you know, you, uh, I think most people will maybe drink a bit more on holiday. But, you know, that that's what you should be trying to aim for. Unfortunately, although you're right that some studies do show a slight beneficial effect of having red wine in particular on the heart, overall for women, there's no doubt that alcohol is probably a, a, is a bad thing because it does increase your risk of a number of cancers, particularly breast cancer, uh, as well as conditions like osteoporosis so you know I, I I personally I certainly drink in moderation I, I recommend to my patients that it's fine to do so wouldn't want to drink purely for a health benefit because overall the health the health risks of alcohol especially for women outweigh any potential benefit I'm afraid yeah no I, I agree with you and I think that this message about heart disease is slightly I, I don't know it, it worries me I think I think really the message we should be giving people is that alcohol is bad and full stop and forget about all the other bits. But um, I think it's a bit difficult. And I think people don't really want to hear that either. No. And I think, uh, as you were saying just a moment ago, a lot of it's about um, uh, quantity control as well. So alcohol serving sizes have gone up and up. I was reading uh, recently that apparently, you know, when you read in sort of Jane Austen books and um, sort of historical books, and people seem to be drinking alcohol constantly. Apparently, the typical wine glass size then was more like a sherry glass size um, for us now. So people, when people drank alcohol, they actually drank in small amounts. And over the years, decades, we've sort of adjusted that, what yeah. we think of as a small amount up and up, a bit, a bit like we've done with food quantities as well. Well, I see that here in Spain, actually. So um, the normal beer size is called a cania, which is, I would say, a small half pint. And I see that in the restaurants around here, they're a little bit cheeky because if they know that you're a British person, they'll give you a pint rather than the typical dose or, you know, that people would have here. So it is very interesting. And now I find myself going, I, I just found myself, I went back to a medics reunion a few years ago and found myself with a pint in my hand going, I just, I can't, I can't do it. It's too much. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> but let's get back to um, osteoporosis. So the other thing you said was that women were more at risk because they have smaller bones, but also when they go through the menopause. So what happens during the menopause to put them more at risk? Well, the so the fall of the oestrogen level, which most people will um, be uh, heard of as, as one of the most um, important um, hormones in women for controlling things like the menstrual cycle, and the levels of that drop right down as you go through the menopause. And so that's why the risk starts to escalate for women at the time that they go through the menopause and why women who go through the premature menopause prematurely should certainly have a conversation with their GP about their bone health and whether they need to take any steps to protect it. We know that if women take HRT, that reverses the effect of the estrogen falling. Now, HRT, this is slightly controversial, but HRT is not currently recommended as a treatment for osteoporosis alone. So if you had no other reasons why you wanted to take HRT and that the only reason you were doing it was to prevent osteoporosis, the current guidance in the UK anyway is that it's probably not the best choice. Uh, And the main reason for that is that it will only work for as long as you're actually taking the estrogen 
So, and there are risks of HRT as well. There are exactly yes. So that's right. So there are risks of HRT, like um, uh, blood clots in the legs, for example, DVT. So the feeling is that it's probably not a best option alone. But that that's not true of absolutely all women and so I mentioned women who've gone through a premature menopause and for those because they say if you went through the menopause at 40 rather than 50 sort of 52 which is the typical age then you'd have another 10 years of life when you had a very low estrogen level and therefore at more risk of developing osteoporosis for so those women it may well be sensible for them to start HRT um, to help protect their bones as, as well as to protect them from the other effects of going through the menopause early so I think there isn't a one size fits all option for this and if you have concerns it's definitely worth um, talking to your GP about whether an HRT is a good option for you in the round but that's why as I say for most women um, the around 50 is a particular risk point for starting um, to be at risk of uh, osteoporosis Uh, and actually the same is true for men um, the testosterone the, the main male hormone which does drop off with age although not as sharply there's no despite the term the male menopause there there isn't a quite a, a sharp drop in the way there is for women with estrogen um, declining testosterone levels do also put men at risk okay fabulous so we will talk about prevention in a minute and what people should be doing at that stage of their life to avoid getting osteoporosis but first of all who should be investigated yeah so And the the normal investigation is something called a DEXA or a DXA scan, which is a type of X-ray, which assesses the thickness of the bones at particular parts of the body and from then calculates a risk of you then being at, uh, of having already developed osteoporosis. It's only a snapshot and that's why it's no good, you know, if you think, oh, I might be at risk of osteoporosis in a few years' time. Unfortunately, a DEXA isn't going to tell you anything useful because it's just a snapshot of what's happening at the moment. But for people who may be, at, as I say, may have already developed osteoporosis or are being at high risk, it can be a useful scan. And the best way really to work out if it's going to be useful for you is to talk to your GP. There are a couple of scoring systems that doctors can use to calculate your risk and whether it's going to be worthwhile for you to have a DEXA scan now or whether it might be something that you'd be needing to think about in a few years' time. So again, if you're in a high-risk group, um, and actually one thing that I forgot to mention before in terms of um, lifestyle factors that you can't do anything about is that if you have a family history of your parents having osteoporosis or having had a um, hip fracture, that also puts you at increased risk. So if you've got a family history of hip fractures, if you're on a high-risk medication like corticosteroids, or if you've been through the menopause um, prematurely, then those are people that I would definitely suggest have a conversation with their GP about whether they need any sort of investigation or, and or some preventative treatment. Okay, and so now I am all about the prevention, all about yeah. thinking what can we do in terms of diet and lifestyle to prevent ourselves getting ill? So tell us what we can do to avoid it. Yeah. So um, although we've talked about high risk groups, the, the fact is that, we are all at risk of osteoporosis because the biggest risk factor is aging. And unfortunately, um, that, that's uh, unavoidable. So we all need to be thinking about our bone health. And the we've already talked about the um, alcohol intake and making sure you moderate it and making sure you stop smoking. I know... Uh, 
it's difficult for smokers because they feel like we're ramming this down their necks the whole time. What I would what I say to my patients who smoke is please don't feel embarrassed if you've had lots of attempts and you haven't managed to quit. That is normal. Most smokers do take quite a few attempts to quit and there are a lot there are more and more treatments available to, to support you, both medical treatments and psychological. So if, if you've tried and failed before but it's been a little while, there are lots of services available either through your GP or in most areas you can just google and, and self-refer to them so give that another go then there's diet so um most it's important to take in enough calcium um, a lot of people will get calcium through dairy products but if you're a vegan it's absolutely possible to get a full complement of um, calcium through your diet because a lot of leafy green vegetables contain it things like kale and nuts um, so if you look on the NHS advice site um, nhs.uk there's a lot of um, guidance on there on, on exactly the foods that you need that contain calcium most people can get enough calcium in through their diet, but if you do have a problem with the gut, like a celiac disease, which I mentioned before, then you may benefit from taking a, a calcium supplement. And then the other thing dietary-wise is vitamin D, which, um, as I've mentioned, is partly from food and partly from sunshine, uh, both of which, and of course, sunshine can be in short supply in the UK. So um, we know that actually you can't synthesize enough, you can't make enough um, vitamin D from sunlight during the winter in the UK. And so the re recommendation is that everybody um, consider taking a vitamin D supplement um, uh, at least for the winter time. So for really... And does it matter, that vitamin D supplement, does it need to be oily drops rather than pills? Uh, no, I think the um, as long as you're taking vitamin D from a reputable source, then the UK guidance anyway would be that it's fine to take a uh, take it in in a pill. Is that something that the uh, I'm not sure if that's different in Spain in terms because I, I know for example in France actually that the, the guidance about how you take, the form in which you take vitamin D is slightly different from the UK. So I don't know. In Spain, they always get sold in oily drops because obviously right. it's a oil based. Yeah. Um, vitamin so that just comes in a little liquid form of drops yeah I don't I, I mean I don't the um, certainly the NHS guidance has been that it's fine to direct patients to take a um, supplement they're buying over the counter um, from any reputable pharmacy and those are some of them are capsules in the UK but they, they are pills as well so okay. the NHS um, I think would be yeah I, I think don't buy them online from uh, unless it's from a well-established company. But um, if you go into any of those sort of large high street pharmacies um, or you know a local independent reputable pharmacy, they should be able to advise you on which supplements are suitable for you. Okay. And the other thing that we haven't mentioned regarding weight, uh, regarding diet, is your general weight. How does that affect osteoporosis? Yeah, so of course, weight is potentially putting additional um, strain on your, your bones and muscles and you're, you're carrying more weight around. And it also, for some people, can make it more difficult to exercise, although not everybody. Uh, there, there are some people who, who are high weight who do exercise very successfully. I actually think exercise is more of an important issue for osteoporosis than weight per se. And exercise is probably... The, unless you're a smoker, the single most important thing you can do to modify your risk. And we know that exercise helps prevent osteoporosis and to treat osteoporosis if it's already developed in three different ways. So firstly, it helps with 
the actual bone remodeling. So this process where the bones are constantly breaking themselves down and rebuilding. If you exercise, it helps the bones to rebuild um, in it so that they're strong um, and that the architecture is the architecture of the bones is, is properly put together. Then exercise also helps um, to um, strengthen the muscles or that support the bones. And so it reduces the work that the bones have got to do uh, and helps uh, protect your joints as well. And then thirdly, exercise also helps you um, to preserve your balance, because one of the big reasons why people get um, symptoms from osteoporosis later in life is, of course, they have a fall. So for all those reasons, for the uh, bone health, muscle health and uh, balance, exercise is helpful. And there are two types of exercise that you really could should be looking to do to, to keep your bones healthy. One is exercise, reasonably high impact exercise. So running, um, aerobics, Zumba, as long as it's fairly active, those sort of things. And then there's exercise against resistance, so using um, some form of weight. Now, I'm a total gym-phobe. I hate gyms. You definitely do not have to go to a gym to do these forms of exercise. You haven't got to heft huge and heavy weights. Um, so this can be quite small hand weights, and you can build up um, using them over time. We, what the evidence has found is that um, using this exercise against the resist- while holding weights against resistance seems to be more effective uh, than other forms of exercise in terms of keeping the bones strong. So, so as I say, sorry, can I just on. check that I've got this right? You want one, yeah. which is high impact so that you're doing a bit of cardiovascular you're getting your heart rate up and then the other is resistance which includes the weights all those rubber bands and actually I did a podcast on this so um also within that looking at things that use your body as a weight so things like yoga and pilates and tai chi as well has been given the, the resistance tick that's absolutely right. I think most of the studies in osteoporosis have looked at weight use, which is why the evidence is particularly strong for that. But okay. I think you're right that when we think about exercise in general, there are other, other forms of, um, of um, obtaining resistance, as you say, using your own body weight or resistance bands that do seem to have the same effect um, in terms of, of challenging the muscles uh, and, and uh, joints and bones. Going back to the first type of exercise, it's cardiovascular, but I think the evidence is that it's particularly about basically bouncing up and down. So although you might think that actually that would put strain on the bones, it seems to have the opposite effect and to help the bones to to remodel themselves um, to be strong. So... I'm not sure that there's any evidence that, for example, cycling would be useful for osteoporosis. Or swimming. Or swimming, yeah. I mean, obviously, those are great things to do and have a whole range of other benefits. But if you're thinking particularly about osteoporosis, I think most of the evidence is that it's some sort of um, impact. I remember when I was at medical school, we always used to call it weight-bearing exercise, so that you're sort of pushing down on your long muscles, or your long bones, basically. Yes, exactly. But at the same time, trying to aim for sort of moderate to high intensity. Uh, and what you need to do that to do that will depend a bit on what your current level of fitness is. So if you're reasonably fit already, then it would be great to look at making sure that you're doing enough running, aerobics, etc. Um, but if you're not already fit, you may need to build up to it. So you might want to start with walking, but trying to walk at a fairly fast pace so that you're slightly out of breath. You can't easily hold a conversation uh, while you're walking. 
working because I think it can be quite intimidating to people to think to try and go straight from not doing regular exercise to doing high intensity exercise and can be quite off-putting because it feels so difficult so it's fine to try and build up but as you say you want to be weight bearing and you want to be trying to um, get to the point where you are slightly out of breath as you do it. Okay so I'm just going to recap in prevention which is the thing that I really love. We're thinking about stopping smoking, watching how much we drink, thinking about our diet. So weight and calcium are the two important factors there. And then exercise is really where most of us are going to get our benefits from. And we want to do some weight bearing exercise where we put weight on our bones and increase our heart rate. And we want to do some resistance exercise, which is basically building up our muscles. Exactly right. Yeah. Fabulous. So what about treatment? So if people have got, they know they've got osteoporosis, so it's a bit late for the prevention, what are they going to do? Yeah. So there are some um, treatments, sort of bone protection treatments that can stop osteoporosis getting any worse and that can to some extent, reverse um, the effects of osteoporosis. Um, if, you've got, if you've developed full osteoporosis, you're unlikely to be able to completely reverse it, but these bone protection treatments can help to an extent. And as I say, they certainly will reduce your risk of getting um, further complications uh, from the osteoporosis. This group of um, drugs called biphosphonates are what most people are going to be taking. And for most people, they can take a a once weekly treatment uh, by mouth. Um, This would be something prescribed by your GP usually or um, occasionally a a rheumatologist if you're you're somebody um, who's um, seeing a a secondary care specialist. And for most people, they take them for for between three and five years. We feel that that's the the um, the evidence suggests that that's the time period where you're going to get most benefit from them. There are some groups of high-risk people um, who may benefit from taking them for longer. For most people, as I say, it's a kind of blast of three to five years to try and restore, restore uh, and protect your, your bones going forward. So whilst you're doing that, you're doing all these things, absolutely prevention things. Yeah, still really important to exercise. If you've got um, if you have got osteoporosis and you've had fractures, it can be quite intimidating thinking about starting exercise and you can very understandably, people are nervous about that. There's a great range of resources and advice on that um, from the uh, Royal Osteoporosis Society. So I'd really recommend that people Google that. Until recently, it was called the National Osteoporosis Society. So you may get that if, if you Google it, it's the same thing. I can find the link and put it in yeah. the show notes. And also on the NHS website that I mentioned before, nhs.uk, they've also got links to it to give people guidance on what sort of exercise um, they can be starting with if they've recently had a fracture. Uh, And as you say, you'd be taking these bone uh, protection medicines uh, alongside that. And um, that combination can be very effective in uh, preventing people from having further complications. So it's really important to say to people, you know, it's not too late if you've already developed osteoporosis. You can definitely do take steps to stop it getting any worse and to and to, to reverse it to some extent. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Joe. Have you got any last thoughts for us? Um, so I think um, I I kind of. You know, you read these things, um, even as a doctor, you think it's sort of mental eye roll. This is yet another thing that I've got to worry about. But I think the message for osteoporosis is actually almost all the health, st- health um, 
and lifestyle modifications that we're talking about are things that have got multiple benefits. So, you know, cutting down on alcohol, taking more exercise, it, that they're part of a sort of healthy lifestyle generally. So it's not yet another th- uh, thing, uh, sort of set of things that you've got to do. Um, and also this sort of positive message that it, it, no matter where you are in terms of your bone health, it's not too late to make things better. So, and actually, even if there are, you have had a fracture, there are um, some treatments to help with those as well. So it, it's not a gloomy picture. It's a really important subject and it can really affect our general health. But there are definitely things that you can do relatively easy to, to, easily to reduce your risk. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina. If you enjoyed it, I would be really grateful if you could share it with a friend. Every time you share a podcast episode with a friend, it helps me to reach and help more people. Remember, you're welcome to sign up for the new me challenge. Dig out those I can't do it thoughts and replace them with, wow, this is easy and fun. You can sign up at drlina.com slash new me. That's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new dash in the middle me. Have a lovely week and see you next week. Goodbye.